0: There are no such things as limits or obstacles, only opportunities. Step into the greatest version of yourself, because what you do matters. Shift your narrative. You're listening to Opportunity Makers, where entrepreneurs come to take their purpose-driven business to the next level. Here's your host, Jim Padilla.
1: Hey, Opportunity Makers, welcome back to another episode. And I'm really excited about this, this conversation that we have today that you're going to witness and, and and be able to see because this person is somebody who has been uh, very important to me, been in my life for a long time. I met him in 2008 at a fundraiser. This was a charity fundraiser for uh, some alternative medicine experts who are, who are doing so well and so successful with alternative treatments to cancer that it was literally had been banned from the UK. He was in the process of being banned from the United States and banned. And I believe from, uh, from Australia as well. And the only time people do that is when they're, they're afraid that you're so close to the truth <laughs> that, uh, they don't know what to do with this. So they want to push you out. That's usually what censorship is about is they don't want you to speak because you're speaking truth. Um, and we were at this this fundraiser um, in this uh, in mansion with a, a friend of ours, estate, and um, there were the room was filled with there was about fifty people there. Collectively, about a billion dollars or more worth of of revenue, huge, just a lot of big players, and I was just a fledgling. Coach, I would just just left the mortgage industry and just started my own coaching business and just trying to, you know, at the time I'm charging fifty dollars an hour. I'm like, I'm a nobody. I'm a just just trying to figure out. I knew how to sell and I knew how to help people sell. I had no clue how to actually be in a business of of help, of of selling my services. And we're 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 watching this this uh, this this dialogue happen. And there's this gentleman who kept making questions, making comments and asking questions. And everything was kept centered around legacy. And you could tell he had this air of, I want to know what's going to, how am I going to be represented beyond myself? That's kind of, he was saying that without saying that. And I was sitting with Darren and I had just met him that night. And he's like, look, go talk to that guy. You need to go talk to him. and You need to tell him, I think you have something going on here. I can see that you're really concerned with your legacy. You've accomplished a lot in your life. And I specialize in helping people like you put together a plan of action that will leave your legacy greater than you than you're left behind, right? So this, again, it's 2008. And by my, I, I start at $100,000 in my consulting and, you know, we can go up from there. And I, I was like, dude, I charge $50 an hour, <laughs> right? So anyway, mustered myself up, walked up, Went up, said some version of that, um, fairly confident. I guess apparently came out of my mouth on an okay level, and I presented it myself well. As he said, "Hey, great to meet you, and here's my card. Call my assistant, get a time on my calendar. I'd love to hear more." And you know, if I had walked up and said, "Yeah, for fifty dollars an hour, or for five thousand dollars," he probably wouldn't even have taken me seriously, right? But it was a huge milestone moment. That's one of there are several times in your life when you have a hockey stick curve growth. And that was one for me. And then I've just been, you know, in and out of Darren's life uh, for, uh, you know, many years. And, you know, we've been in masterminds together and he's somebody that I just, I follow, I can engage with. I call him a friend, a colleague, uh, and just somebody I respect immensely. He has accomplished so much. He has seen billions of dollars of business and transact. He has sits on boards of big companies. He's involved in huge deals putting together. He's been uh, on NASDAQ to ring the bell. Uh, more than a couple of times. He is instrumental in some many, many uh, growth of many companies and many opportunities, uh, pulled deals together and been part of incredible exits. And more importantly, just changes people's lives as such a giver and someone who makes a difference in the world for himself and for the people who are around him. He is the ultimate definition of an opportunity maker. Enjoy this conversation with Sir Darren Jacqueline. And I'll love to hear what happens on the other side. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. We'll see you soon. What are you most excited about right now?
2: You know, right now, there's a lot of things going on. So busy with uh, you know acquisitions of accounting firms and bookkeeping firms across North America. We're doing a roll-up strategy right now with our company called Profit. I've got a couple of partners that we've got with that. And it's going well. There's a big problem right now we're solving for across North America. The average CPA, chartered professional accountant, is sixty-one years of age. They're a baby boomer, uh-huh. and these men and women between now and the year twenty thirty, about a hundred thousand licensed CPAs are set to retire as baby boomers. Um, and the challenge is, if you look at the universities and colleges today, the men and women coming through, uh, you know, that process—it's um, a challenge. We're not seeing second, third generation uh, CPA families like we used to years ago. So we're acquiring those firms and rolling them up. And then we'll do an exit in about five years ago to about a $50 million company in revenue, annual revenue. We'll offer ancillary service and we'll exit with that. So I'm busy with that. And then I'm always looking for, you know, I've got a couple partners. We're always looking at different deals in various different sectors because I've got a big network and resource of a lot of people. And so I love doing that. We're very action oriented. We're very practical. We're very results oriented and some of that. So we look at all different kinds of things all the time. And then busy with, you know, our foundation, uh, Link Foundation and E2E Elevate to Educate. So we do the hiking fundraisers, which I love because it just brings people out and connects people with the community. And and a lot of things happen when people come out on a hiking trail. It's pretty cool, Jim. It's, um, you know, all the collaboration the networking, capital raising, uh, opportunities, you know, people that are single, potential people they can date, People that are looking for business partners or raising financial capital can find the right people. Because we have people from all walks of life, all different age groups, from all different backgrounds, from people just starting off in life to high net worth, to ultra high net worth, to celebrity, to you name it. We get that comes out to, uh, you know, for hiking fundraisers. So it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, you're busy, you're all over. Um, but it's also it, it's all in service to greater yeah. costs and greater purpose yeah. and where you're headed.
2: It's very well coordinated, it's very well systemized, it's very well organized. I've got great teams of people that run all the day-to-day operations. So I play more of the visionary role, Jim. And then I have people that are really good at day-to-day operations run all the day-to-day operations of stuff, which is great. It takes a great collective team of people uh, to make things happen. But we have a lot of fun doing it and make a big difference in the world as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that, that's part of the reason that that I, you know, wanted to invite you here on the Opportunity Makers podcast because that's yeah. been the focus. You know, we had our sales team ready podcast, which is primarily about sales and scaling, tactical strategy and whatnot. But the Opportunity Makers podcast, I, I have uh, Opportunity Makers is a term that that means a lot to me um, mm-hmm. in that, you know, I see people who create opportunities for themselves and others that are, are, are the people who make the world go round. And so yeah. it's people who are able to turn. You know, the lemons into lemonade, look at the problems that exist and seize the moments to be able to turn those, overcome those and turn those into opportunities. Absolutely. And with all that's going on in the world right now, uh, there's a lot of entrepreneurs and people who are a little hesitant, a little scared, a little afraid to take a chance or a risk. They're trying, they're going much more on defense than on offense. Yeah. And so bringing people on like you who've, who've exited companies, who who are acquiring, who are playing the acquisitions game, we're just playing the game at a different level, Absolutely. you know, you're, you're you see things differently. Yeah, not operating from a place of fear. You're operating from, you're you're leaning into opportunities, like you said, moving quicks, you know, and swiftly, and and with a purpose, and getting great results. What yeah. do you What do you think is the is, is has gotten you to that place? What What do you What would you say if there's a specific skill set, um, or or just asset in you that helps you see the world
2: that way? You know, I think some of it comes from childhood trauma when I was younger, right? Uh, failing grade one of public school, being misdiagnosed, with a learning disability, with a reading disability, being put into special education classes from grade one to grade 12. Um, it was a survival mechanism for me to survive. And so when I was seven years old, I created my first company called Rent-A-Kid. I'd go out and cut grass, shovel snow in the wintertime, deliver newspaper six days a week. But I realized when I was a kid that, you know, as human beings, all we are, Jim, is a network of conversations. Like you and I are having a conversation right now. You'll be out at the grocery store, the gas station, it's a network of conversations. And opportunities live inside of a network of conversations. And so when I get people who call me or text me or email me, or I'm at an event and people like, yeah, I'm a realtor, I'm a mortgage broker, man, it's so tough to market. Listen, people are always buying, selling, and investing in real estate. No matter what the state of the economy or the market is, We're dealing with human beings that have life issues. There's things going on. People are getting married. They're getting divorced. They're they're, they're, they're newborns. People are dying away. There's always events going on in people's lives, right? People are either coming from a problem we're in a problem or we're heading towards a problem. And that's what happens over a seven-day week with people is we're coming from a problem, in a problem, we're heading towards a problem. So what I find is that, you know, in life, we don't have money problems in life. We have thinking problems in life. There's no lack of financial resources on this planet. The key thing is, is find a way to solve a problem. So what I've learned from, you know, making mistakes and screwing up in the past is that when I would see somebody that was successful, my mindset was, what can I get from that person? How can I pitch and sell that person? And it was transactional, not relational. And then when I learned of, learned of after I got beaten up a few times in business, financially broke and not know where my next dollar is going to mm-hmm. come from and just desperate, Right. And when the students ready, the teachers appear, well, I'm blessed to have some phenomenal mentors show up my life. And like Darren, you need to stop, stop pitching and selling and start educating and informing. When you're dealing with a high net worth or ultra high net worth investor, that man or woman who's sitting across from you on the other side of the table or computer screen, they have more history and experience than you because they're in a different position than you are. Right. So you need to listen and ask questions and educate them and inform them. That was a major turning point in my life was to stop pitching and selling and start educating and informing me, listen and asking questions. So a lot of times, you know, you would go to these live events or virtual events today and you can always tell we're getting close towards the end of the month The people got commission breath, right? They're trying to pitch and sell to close deals, to hustle and grind. And listen, I've been there, been there many times in my twenties and thirties. But now what I realize now, the approach I take now is I'll take people out hiking and, you know, I'll do a walk and talk meeting or a hike and walk meeting. Um, where I take people out. So I'm getting physical exercise and being out in nature. So rather than sitting in a coffee shop or a restaurant for a breakfast, lunch or dinner, I'm like, how do we take this into a walk? So if I'm traveling and there's a seawall or a hiking trail or a walking trail, I'm walking and talking and having my meeting or I'm hiking and having my meeting. So I'm getting physical exercise at the same time. And you learn a lot from my experience when you take somebody out in nature and they're out in the wildlife, you know, the nature in the wild wildlife, Um, People say to me, "Oh my gosh, is there wild animals out here?" Well, sure. (laughs) And so then you see people's uh, fears, doubts, worries, insecurities, and I find that you build an authentic and vulnerable relationship with people because when people are out there, you know, you and I can go play pickleball or golf or tennis, and it's great. But when I take you out into the wildlife and well, you know, nature there, it's a different experience when you're out there in the nature and you realize that, oh my gosh, um, things can happen. So I like to me. It's about authentic and vulnerable relationships where people get to know me, like me, and trust me. But also creating long term. I'm in for the long term, not right. short term. So I'm more relational versus transactional. My earlier days, I was more transactional, but now I'm more relational. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I'm definitely you know much more uh,
1: pr- m- much more prone to relationship and long term. Uh, I don't like to do transactional sure. drive by you know opportunities with people. Yeah. I like to, yeah. do, you know, I like to do business with people that I'm going to know for a long time, and I wouldn't have known that we, you and I were going to be, yeah. you know, so connected for so many years, you know. But uh, in the intro, uh, I'll, you know, talked about, you know, how how we met, um, and uh, at, at that fundraiser when when I, you know I've shared that story a few times in other other yeah. environments, but uh, it's and even in that, I mean, there was nothing in it for you, you know. You were just you were just yeah. pointing me in some wisdom game-changing opportunity for me it, it, it was literally one of the one of the benchmarks and the milestones on my career that you know that that represented a bit of a hockey stick growth in me yeah. And so you Absolutely. know it's just been nice to be able to stay connected with you you know for gosh it's been 15 years now
2: 15 years uh, yeah
1: at least now. yeah so um as you're you know i i know you know your partners and the things that you're doing you're also one of the people you know you, you've got to ring the bell on the on nasdaq and um you know those those are more like milestones. Yes. But, but what's the journey when when people look at you know people are listening and they're going okay well you've already got you've made millions you've been you know you've been involved in billions you're doing all these things once you get going it's easier to keep going but what about the journey to getting there and people what are the things that you would recommend people need to think about if they want to be an exponential
2: opportunity creator you know you know the key thing is is to look at what you do during the waking hours of your day and deconstruct that. So what I realized is I reflect on 51 years of age now and I reflect on my life of how I was in my teenage years, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and on the come up, you know, I had my peaks and valleys throughout my life, what I go back to in terms of what were my daily habits, what are my daily routines, what were my systems, my processes, and the structure. And so I'll I'll be more practical in terms of more specific versus general. Um, I always share with people, if it's not structured into your calendar, there's no evidence that exists in your life. So a lot of times people have all these grandiose goals and dreams and things that they want to achieve personally, personally in their lives. But unless, so for example, we say, you know, I want, I want to release 20 pounds. Well, if I open up your phone and I look at your calendar the next seven days, what do you have structured in your calendar as physical exercises. You know, like, like, what do you do in terms of, you know, cardio, weight training, hiking, aerobics, yoga, Pilates? What are you doing that your life will demonstrate that you're actually committed to that. Or somebody says to me, you know, I want to become financially successful and create generational wealth. Well, how many workshops are you attending on generational wealth? What books are you reading, podcasts are you are listening to? What courses are you taking? What Who are you masterminding with? Who are you collaborating with? Who are you having breakfast, lunches, and dinners with? So that you're in that ecosystem that your life will demonstrate it. And so that's a key thing is if it's not stretching your account, it doesn't exist in your life. That's a big, big thing. I think another thing is too, is I used to do anything by myself right? I can outwork people, I can get up earlier, go to bed later, I can grind, I can hustle. But what I realized was I was working hard but not working smart. And like I have over 7,000 goals for my life now. That's taking me years to accumulate all those goals. I'm always checking off and adding more goals daily, okay? But what I've realized, and I talk about this in my book until I become, most of our goals and dreams do not require our actions, and when I say that to people, it's like a light bulb moment goes off in people's minds that most of your goals and dreams do not require your actions. Most of your goals and dreams do not require your actions. they are like, well, what do you mean by that? It's all about creating teams of people and teamwork. So when I started, I had no money. So what I did is I went to colleges, universities, and high schools where I live. And I went and spoke to people in person. I said, listen, you have students here that are, need working experience. They need practice. They need mentorship, guidance, coaching. I have a small business and I'm getting off the ground. It's a startup and I need people to help me in terms of human resources. And I'm willing to coach and mentor these people and give them some practical in the trenches on the court experience. And so they would come and volunteer their hours of time with me during a semester in exchange for a letter to use for a resume or CV or to use for a job interview or to help them get their degree or diploma in college university or complete high school. And so with technology today, is that we're in a situation where you know we've got artificial intelligence, we've got virtual assistants, you can use work experience programs. There's so many different tracks that we can go down where you can get human resources to people to work with you today, whether it's using AI of technology or people to actually help you to facilitate to achieve your goals and dreams.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, you know, sometimes, though, I think what, what I see a lot in people is that the biggest challenge is not to what to find, it's which one. For sure. Right. Because like you said, that kind of assistance is more readily available than it's ever been. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do you know, do I, do I create an AI tool? Do I go to VA? Do I, you know, how do I, where do I find the funds? Do I self fund? Do I find an investor? Do I use other people's money? All of these options are available. So how do you make a decision around that? Well, the key thing is you
2: have a team of people around you. So this is your inner circle that you create, Right or you, you belong to a small group. People could be a Rotary Club, Chamber of Commerce, Women in Business, YPO, Toastmasters, or it could be some mastermind group or it's three or four or five people who are doing better than you. They're at the next level that you, because you always want to get around people. You never want to be the smartest person in the room. You always, I always go into rooms where I feel uncomfortable. I feel intimidated. I feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not succeeding, man. I'm, these guys are a whole other level, right? You know, when I make it a month, these people spend on jet fuel for their, you know, jet, right? And stuff. And so it's it's always, it's a game, right? It's always playing a different level. And so what I find is that just the collective intelligence of collaborating with like-minded people, I also find working with a lot of women or having women around me because of female intuition, right? In my early twenties and thirties, I didn't listen to women intuition. I thought it was a bunch of kumbaya. And I, when I started having to write checks for big mistakes and realizing, oh my gosh, this has cost me a lot of money and embarrassment and mistakes and pain and sleepless nights and stress. I thought, okay. I need to surrender and I need to trust the process and listen. So now my forties and my fifties now, I trust women, listen to women's intuition. And we do a three step process, Jim. Step number one is when I ask women who are working with me in person or virtually, I say, okay, let's say we're interviewing somebody or looking at some opportunity or some deal where the discovery and due diligence process. I'll ask the women, I said, step number one is, are you calm? Are you cautious? Or are you nervous with your intuition? So calm, cautious, or nervous. One, two, or three. Same thing if you have to invest in some business opportunity and you have to write the check, are you calm, cautious, or nervous? Somebody, a buddy calls you up next week. and He's like, hey man, I'm in a tough spot financially. Can you can you spot me $5,000? You gotta catch up on some bills. I'm gonna get evicted and be on the streets. And you're like, oh, okay, do I send him the money? Right, I'll give you an example. I, I, I had a situation one time where somebody came to me and they're like, hey, can you help me out? I've known this person for many, many years. So I wired the money because they were three months behind, almost four months behind on mortgage payments. And they're going to you lose their house. They're right. going to get evicted and get their home repossessed and go back to the bank. So what I did is I sent these people some money, wired them $10,000, and then I heard nothing from them, crickets. Like they went dark on me. I didn't hear get a text, didn't get an email, didn't get a phone call, no updates of what was going on. I thought, well, this is weird. Why wouldn't they give me some updates? So then I talked to somebody and they're like, yeah, did you know so-and-so went down to Cuba to an all-exclusive resort? Huh. I'm like, well, they, they don't have any money. They don't have any points. They don't have credit. You know, they don't have any points for credit cards or their credit cards or points for travel. How ah, did they get down there? They got no money. So finally, I catch up them, I get a hold of them. It's like, how did you guys go to Cuba? Well, we were so stressed out. We were so grateful that you give us the $10,000. Well, I, I'm, it takes a lot to upset me, man. I was triggered and boy, did I get upset. I was angry. So I called one of my mentors. It was a good friend of mine. He's much older than me 30 years older than me. I call him up just to vent on the telephone. I'm upset, Jim. And he says to me, Darren, stop, stop, stop. It's all your fault. Take a hundred percent responsibility for your actions. I'm like, why is this my fault that they just blew $10,000 and went to Cuba? He goes, Darren, you gave people money who are not responsible at managing money. This is the situation they're in. They're out of integrity, they don't manage money wisely. I said, so what should I do? He goes, Darren, when you give, when you manage money wisely, you get more money to manage. They're not managing money wisely, so they're not getting more money to manage. I said, so what should I have done? What would have been my other options? He said, what you should have done, is ask what is the financial institution's name that they're dealing with, that they owe money to, Who's the contact person? Get a phone number and an email address, and contact the person directly, and then send the money from from your account to the institution's account and leave them out of it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I never even thought about that. So that mistake cost me ten thousand dollars, right? So that would be uh, like nervous energy when when that
1: kind of if when when that kind of opportunity spins up, you're like, okay. Well, and yeah. I
2: knew. I knew, Jim, because when friends or family or people come to you for money, especially like it's really interesting, the more money you make, the more people want to put their hands in your pocket, right? right? (laughs) There's more hands in your pockets. And what I find is is that if you're going to give money to people, consider it a gift. It's just a gift. If it comes back to you, great. If it doesn't come back to you, great. But you're not attached to it. Because otherwise it will drive you nuts. Because the majority of people from my own experience – because I used to be the ATM for a lot of people and you to have a lot of people, the majority of the money never comes back to you. I I've lost some relationships and some friends with that because I've helped them out in tough spots financially. And then they just go dark and they ghost you. Yeah. I had, I'll give you an example. I had a guy 15 years ago. I gave him $4,000. Went outside of a bank, $4,000 in cash. Guy moved to the Philippines. Haven't seen him in, in 10 years, reached out to me about a month ago. And know if I want to get involved in this opportunity, which didn't pass discovery or due diligence. And the other guy on the my partner's on the call, he goes, wasn't that so-and-so? I'm like, yeah, because we're on a Zoom video call. He's like, that guy, didn't that guy stick you for four grand? Why would the guy resurface and come back to you and try and get involved with something else? Like there's an out of integrity there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't remember I mean- I brought it up to him off, 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 on a private one-on-one call. So I didn't embarrass him from the people on the, on the discovery call. And he's like, I don't remember ever you borrowed me $4,000. I'm like, unbelievable. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I guess that speaks to, you know, the, the, the cart, the character or the, what's going on in the heart. Cause I have well, certainly not done everything well or right in my life, but even people, even though uh, they've forgiven, I never forget. And I know when I, I know when I've done something absolutely. wrong to somebody.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, here's something to consider. This is a principle I live by. And this is something I want people to remember for the rest of their lives. Write it down. Teach this to your children, your grandchildren. In life, time will either promote you or time will expose you. Right. It's just a matter of time. Whether you get promoted, you get exposed. So you can go do drugs. You can smoke lots of cigarettes. You can booze, cruise. You can eat all kinds of crap food, whatever it is. You can neglect your finances, your relationship, whatever it is, pick an area of your life, personally, or professionally, and time-wise, promote or your time expose me. So, just before COVID broke out globally, COVID-19, I got exposed. I was 43 pounds heavier. Mm-hmm. I was in Niagara Falls, Ontario, Canada, speaking to a real estate for of 1,200 people, uh, getting changed in my hotel room that morning, had a brand new suit, brand new dress shirt, and I was about to pop the buttons on my dress shirt. And I was embarrassed. In my own there, I got so disgusted with myself, Jim, thinking, how did I let my life get there? Because the results of our lives today is what we've done in the last 10 years. Like I had somebody uh, just two days ago called me up and, oh, my gosh, I'm, I don't have enough money to retire. I'm going to have to sell my house and downsize and all this stuff. I said, listen, I said, listen, Brian, this has been going on for years with you. This isn't new. This is just the results of what's surfaced over time right see my life today right 51 yeah i've achieved a lot of success but it's compounded over the last several years like things didn't really change for me until i was 38 years of age when i was so sick and tired of being up and down financially not living the way i wanted to live my life i got so disgusted with myself and by the way most people will not make a change in their lives until a crisis occurs right right a crisis has to occur in people's lives the majority of people to make a change. Well, 38, I had a crazy period in my life. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired of being flat, broke all the time and being living the I And I got so disgusted with myself. And what happens is you got to get disgusted with yourself. You got to say enough is enough and draw a line in the sand that you don't want to live your life this way anymore. And for most people, they don't have that, that disgusting conversation with themselves where they're like stand in front of the mirror and say, Man, I'm sick and tired of looking at this fat, overweight body. Right? I'm so disgusted to look naked in front of a mirror. And that was a turning point for me just a few years ago. And that's why people, I I think here. people
1: often confuse that with pain because people will say, well, when the pain's big enough, it's like, I don't know. I've seen people endure an incredible amount of pain before they change. You, the disgust is a certain level that has to be achieved because you're finally fed up finally
2: done enough is enough game over right done and, and there's that turning point in your life where enough is enough and i always say get disgusted when i take people out hiking all the time i'm like you know what you're not disgusted enough in your life it's too comfortable for you you're just comfortable where you're at right and you you want to become the victim versus the victor and you're just comfortable right until something happens in your life where you have to change see see i'll give you an example i had um I was doing this train development seminar a few months ago with this financial services company. And I had these financial advisors, financial planners in a room and they're like, you know, we want to raise our bar in terms of how much income we want to make as financial financial advisors. And I'm like, okay, how committed are you on a scale from one to 10, one being the lowest, 10 being the highest. So they said, we're all 10s, we're all 12s, we're all 15s. Really? Okay, great. Let me ask you in the group, are you a homeowner? Do you rent? Are you a homeowner? Do you own your car? Okay, good. Here's the thing. I'm gonna have every one of you in this room that's a homeowner sign over your home to me. Everyone that is a renter, if you have a vehicle, you're going to sign over your automobile to me. If you don't achieve your target by this specific measurable actionable date, I now take possession of your home and your automobile is collateral. they be like, well, what do you mean? You'd come, you come take the keys to my home? Yeah. You see, now you've got some skin in the game. Now you're all in, do or die. Like when I, when I in my 20s, I was flat broke financially, Eat my next meal out of a garbage dumpster, living homeless on the streets, collecting welfare. I had a, I had a period of my life where I, it was really dark for me, really depressed, suicidal, Eat my next meal out of a garbage dumpster. And I got a job as a telemarketer making 400 cold calls a day, 2,000 cold calls a week. But the challenge was I realized in my life, when I realized that my back's against the wall and I and I had to, it, it was not, a, I want to do this. I have to do this, right? And that's the thing is, is survival is that if you have to, you take your shoulds to must. And and so me, like some things in my life, I don't set goals. I set new standards. It's not a goal. It's a standard. It's a must. Like I have a standard in my life. I don't take drugs. Never done drugs in my life. It's a standard. It's a non-negotiable, right? For me, some people might choose that. I, I don't. I just do what I do, right? So the thing is, it's a standard in your life. It, it's a must. And that's the key thing is in life is that when I realized, hey, enough is enough, I'm going for it. And so I made you know I made over 100,000 cold calls over a five-year period. I didn't want to. 98% rejection, Jim. Tremendous right. amount of rejection. Beating up on the phone all the time, every day, 400 cold calls a day. Now, I was doing it on the telephone books. People didn't have technology yeah. and software and all that kind of stuff today. I was old school.
1: I remember those days. Walk in, they give you a script and a phone book and say, there you go, produce some sales. <laughs> yeah. Dial for dollars, right? Small and down. Exactly. Well, you know, you've been you've been doing some things that have been pretty awesome uh, of late. I know you you had a a big milestone event with your with your climb, and, mm-hmm. uh, and and I would love to not you know share what what you did, but also what's been what what's how does that showing up in other areas of your life as as an entrepreneur, as exactly. just as a man as a as a human, you know, how is that elevated how you show up in the world.
2: So I got a phone call uh, almost two years ago from a buddy of mine who was turning 40 in 2023. And he says, I'm going to be 40 years of age in 2023. I want you to come climb Mount Kilimanjaro with me. I said, absolutely not. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, I'm 100% out. No, no. Why would you even call me and have this conversation with me? I don't have the DNA. I'm not wired that way. I'm not athletic that way. And he goes, Darren, those are all excuses. He goes, you're an overachiever in business and finance. He goes, you can train for this. So I trained for a year. And so I put myself in high performance peak shape as an athlete. And I now identify myself as a new standard as an athlete. We're all throughout my life. You know, I never identify myself as an athlete. So we arrived, I say we, myself, and there's 20 climbers, um, 10 mountain guides and 70 porters in Tanzania, East Africa in July of 2023. And I ride there and I'm in the best shape of my life like I am today. And I'm even getting in better shape. And we're on a bunch of Zoom video orientation calls in preparation for Mount Kilimanjaro because it's 19,340 feet in elevation, 5,895 meters, right? almost 20,000 feet. And you know high altitude sickness and all these kind of things that we got a scenario plan to mitigate risk with, right? So they tell us on our last Zoom video call, our team call before we take off to fly to Tanzania, that when we arrive in Tanzania, East Africa, and we get prepared, none of us are gonna pay attention to our mountain guides or reporters, we're not gonna listen. We're not coachable. We're totally uncoachable because we're in the best shape of our lives. We've trained for several months and we're going to do something really epic and we're we're just in the zone. So I get to Mount Kilimanjaro and day one, day two, day three, I realize how slow, what they call pulley pulley, I'm walking. Like children in elementary school, preschool could walk faster than me than we're walking. And these other hikers from all over the world are passing me. And now I'm getting triggered and getting impatient, because I'm thinking, I don't want these people to pass me, I'm getting internally competitive. And as I start to speed up and pick up the pace of hiking, my guide just saying, you need to slow down. And I'm thinking, listen, I didn't spend all this money, all this time, all this energy, and all this year of training to come here and go so freaking slow. And I'm triggered, right? And they go, Darren, you need to slow down, trust the process. And then one of my guides, Angela, she says, Darren, some of these, a lot of these people that are passing you, they're not gonna summit on night five from 15,000 feet to 19,340 feet. I'm like, what are you talking about? Why would you make that claim? These people are are incredibly in shape. It's these people that are over obese. Obese are not going to summit. She's like, no, Darren, you can be very overweight and you can still summit if you go really, really slow and regulate and climatize your body. Well, guess what, Jen? I learned that I was impatient. And I learned with some people that I bring onto my teams to work with me. But I get impatient because I'm a results different person. I want to make things happen, get things done, right? And sometimes when people are going very slow, step-by-step, step, which is great, but too slow for me, it's like, come on, like get off the off-ramp or speed up, let's go, right? We got things to do, let's make things happen. So I really become compassionate of how much of a driver I am sometimes, an intense driver towards results in the finish line, whereas slow, steady, and consistent, poly-poly got me to the top. And yet I saw some people that were professional athletes that never got to the top because they raced too fast and didn't acclimatize and got altitude sickness. Yeah.
1: So what's the big takeaway for you in that as a leader, um, as and not just as a leader in business, but sure. somebody who is leading leaders? I mean, you your experience and levels of success in your life that most people just never will and yeah. that a small percentage get to. What's the difference in that? And how does this help you there? You know, good
2: question. Briefings and debriefings, check-ins. So what I realized was when we were doing Mount Kilimanjaro, and now I'm training from Mount Vincent in Antarctica, the coldest place on earth, To summit that is the check-ins, the briefings, just like doing law enforcement or military first responders, do briefings and debriefings. So when you do the briefing and check-in, you have them form a circle, and you check in where you're at with this goal, with this project, with this acquisition, with this this thing you want to achieve, and you actually check in. and, And when we first check in, everybody's pretty surface right? They want to look good, don't want to look bad. But as you sit with it, and you just slow things down and say, hey, Jim, listen, we're taking on this big project right now. And we've got some serious deadlines happening here in 90 days, right? And there's some big rewards and some big consequences if we don't pull this off. How are you feeling about this right now? And like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good, man, I'm ready to go. But yet, in the background, you know, you're going to be away from your kids for the next 90 days for quite a period of time. And it's going to affect you because you like to be home with your kids and maybe playing with sports and cuddling them and hugging them and reading the bedtime stories. And that has an impact on your life, but you may not show that. So when I find out, when I get more related to you in terms of the briefing, you say, you know what, Jim, how how, how things at home with your family? How things home with your wife? How things over your kids? Well, man, you know, we're taking on this big project, but I'm going to really miss my kids. And now there's a personal, relatable side. So now I know, oh my gosh okay, I got to make sure that we spend time, you checking with your kids on FaceTime or video calls. So rather you just masking it. And that's what I really learned in life was checking in with your team, making sure you've got their backs. You're in it to win it. You're in it together, but also check in. Like, so when I was on Kilimanjaro for the first few days, I was constipated. Okay. I didn't say anything to anybody. I just mind my own business. And on the day three of our uh, safety briefing check-in, one of the guides, when they went around the room, one of the guides called me out in front of the whole group. He said, Darren, are you constipated? Yes or no? I'm like, well, we could have had a private sideline conversation. Why I have I to do this in front of the whole group, right? I want to punch him in the face, right? Like, why, why are you going to tell me in front of the whole group? He goes, stand up. You're constipated. Yes? I'm like, yeah. They've been monitoring me because I hadn't been to the bathroom for three days, right? Yeah. And because we had portable toilets going up to Mount Kimmel-Jarrel. So he says, Darren, I'm using this as an example. How many other people in the room are constipated? It was like a half a dozen of us that were all constipated. And because we're taking a drug called Dymox, a pharmaceutical drug, and we got constipated, right? So the thing was, I was embarrassed by that. But he was using me as an example in front of the team to break the ice that other people were also constipated, but they weren't coming forward. I'm like, well, why do we have to talk about being constipated right now? Why don't we do this one-on-one privately? He said, because as we get higher elevation, if you don't discuss what's going on internally with you, You can become vital organs. It can affect you. And now it becomes a greater risk for you and the team in terms of visibility and exposure of risks in terms of something happened to you medically at a higher elevation. And you expose yourself and your teammates to that potential risk. So that was a big learning lesson for me. Uh,
1: On that note, do you, um, obviously, with all the different ventures and projects you have, there's, for sure there's crossover with leaders, mentors teams. Yeah. Do you specifically put accountability teams or support board team, board advisors, whatever you would call them yeah. different based on each project, just who's the sure. deal yeah. support
2: structure for this project? Yeah. Like I have daily accountability and responsibility. I have two apps. That I do with with my train right now from Mount Vincent, Antarctica. I have uh, Stephanie and I have Joe, two people that are new to my life. that got introduced here in the last few months in my life that are with me now for the whole 15 months of training for Mount Vincent and I have daily check-ins, and so for example, this earlier today, I didn't do my measurements, and I didn't do my 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 take my shirt off and take pictures front, back, and side because you have to have someone else take the camera. I never we went around me with the camera earlier today, and so I didn't. I'm out of integrity, so I didn't do my 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 by wins by what I did on the app. It check everything checks in on the app, and because uh, this is the body that I'm actually working towards. Okay. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so that's what I'm committed to. Get, getting that body. And so these people hold me to a higher standard because so I have to restore my integrity. And later today I will, I'll, I'll restore it, and I'll get, I'll get it done. So it makes me uncomfortable all the time. It's like, oh my gosh, why are they on me? Well, because I gave my word that I wanted to have this body in 15 months and that's what I'm working towards.
1: So for the people that are listening here that are sold out to the exponential version of themselves like like that body that body is an exponential version of you that you are striving for totally reinventing myself to get that body too so for the people who are sold out to that there's people who are listening who are hoping and that's great god bless them but there's another group of people here that are that really want it but they're just the know-how is really the challenge um what, what would you say now that you've been Sure. The mountain on many of these journeys, you've experienced a great amount of success in the last, you know, last couple of decades. Wow. Been very blessed, man, and you've blessed so many others. What's the key? What do, What do you say? What's What's your wisdom to the people who are that know they're ready for that? They're on the edge of their breakthroughs. They just are still trying to figure out the how.
2: Well, so it's there's the who and the how, right? So what I realize is that a lot of times we're trying to figure out the how, and they get stuck in analysis paralysis or indecisive, or they get stuck in the process but not execution. It's all about the who. Who do you have access to? So the key thing is staying in your lane. So if you study me behind the scenes, I do what I'm do what I do best at, and what my weaknesses are delegated, right, to other people. So I focus on my strengths, delegate my weaknesses. That's a key thing, right? So, and then I also focus on what am I doing best in my life and then consistent check in. So, another thing I learned too is over communicate, right? Always over communicate. So, if you're raising money and you got to start a business and you're you're out there with investors, if, if they write a check and get involved in your deal, over communicate to them to the point where, like, hey, Jim, listen, listen, this is too much, man. I know you're excited about this opportunity, but man, you're, over, you're too much communication. So, you say, great. What would work for you? Monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, or yearly? And let them choose. Six every six months, just check in with me. Give me an update. Give me a status update. So that way you manage the expectations. Another thing is too is integrity. So when I first got started in my life, I didn't have any integrity. Then I had selective integrity mm-hmm. based on who I was who I was interacting with and what I could get from you. My twenties, my thirties, I would have high levels of accountability and integrity. Today I've realized in my life that without integrity, nothing works. Now, the bigger the game you play in life, you'll be in and out of integrity. But the key thing is constantly restoring your integrity, right? What we give our words to. Because behavior never lies. And always remember this. People are always watching and observing us. Never assume we're not being observed, okay? So I see people all the time as I'm traveling out there. And I see people, you know, I was was with a guy the other day. Who's very, I won't mention his name, but he's very visible, very high profile on social media about mergers and acquisitions. And behind the scenes, the the guy, the guy's just selling coaching programs and courses. The guys actually, the guy's made all this his money on selling information. But the guy doesn't eat his own dog food. He doesn't even do mergers and acquisitions. Right. But he sells it, plays his big grandioses game, does great videos, sells all this rah-rah, all this sizzle. But behind the scenes, I don't even know if the guy has put together an acquisition and do it. But he's done a lot of stuff through artificial intelligence and research and hiring VAs to collect all the information to put together course information on how to do all this stuff, but he has no portfolio of mergers and acquisitions. And people think he's a genius on social media because he runs great apps. To me, it's out of integrity. Right. Yeah,
1: it definitely you got to be careful of the words, what you give your words to. Um that's oh, something so- I've learned over the years because I I used to be really big people pleaser. And so I would say, yeah, because I and I meant yeah. Because I wanted to try to get it done. But then I recognized I just didn't have the time or the bandwidth to get it done. And so I gave it my, you know, what I could, but it wasn't my best.
2: Yeah. And I, I've met people, Jim, who, who can really impress us. Like they, they, they talk, they're they so smart, they're educated, they talk all those grandiose things, but there's no follow through, there's no execution. But you, you sit around and you think, oh my gosh. And you start to realize that every time you get together, they're talking about these big visions and goals and audacious dreams, but there's no follow through. There's, there's there's no consistency. It's a lot of talk, but they're not moving their feet. And a lot of people I feel buy into that because, Oh my gosh, did you need so-and-so. Yeah. I, I had somebody call me the other day and said, Hey, I'm looking at doing a deal with so-and-so. What do you think? And I said, listen, I've known the person for 23 years. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your energy. Why? I said for 23 years, I've never seen this person ever close a deal, never get to the finish line. But I tell you, impresses people. He'll take you for lunch and dinner and impress you. And I said, his card, credit cards have been maxed out a number of times I've been with him over the 23 years. And then every once in a while, he'll raise some money. And, you know, like I, I, I saw some people here a few, earlier this year. I went to an investment uh, event, people raising money, and they collected all this money. and They went and bought brand new automobiles. And I'm thinking, wait a second here. You just went and bought brand new automobiles with investors' money in a startup venture? Are you kidding me? Right. You don't do stuff like that. You gotta be very disciplined with people's money. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, before we close up here, um, you know, I it, it, it kind of opened with a thought around the calendar, right? Yeah. Your calendar has to drive, your calendar has to be set up to be able to help you achieve your goals. I actually just did a, a video on that just yesterday, saying that if you don't, if you're, if you have a specific goal, whether it's health, financial, whatever, your calendar at the bare minimum, should set up support enough activity to at least achieve that. If you don't have that, you have no chance of of achieving it anyway. Absolutely not. right. But then the other part of that is is here too. It's like as you're as you're setting these goals and you're you're moving to people, it's like you have to. You want to make sure that you are moving through time in a way that honors the integrity. Too many times we put stuff on our calendar that we never do. I, I color
2: code. That's my calendar. I color code everything. Yeah, that's my. I live by everything. It's all color coded. Right, and my team has access to my calendar so they know what I'm scheduling, all that stuff. But that's that's my calendar. I structure everything with color-coded. It means different things so I can look at it. But if it's not in your calendar, it does not exist in your life. So people always tell me, I want to make more money. I want to sell more real estate, sell more mortgages, do more insurance closes. Okay, great. Where where have you scheduled revenue-generating activities? Where are you following up? Where are you doing income-producing activities? Right? Where where are you actually doing the activities and the actions to make things happen? Right. And most people don't exactly they hope to yeah they intend to but they, they don't and they, you're never going to be uncomfortable you're never going to be comfortable like I'm, I'm uncomfortable all the time in my life daily i'm uncomfortable doing things and there's a lot of things i don't want to do but i've committed to do with discipline there's a lot of things jim i don't want to do there's a lot of things in the day i don't want to be on these conference calls or phone calls or meetings i don't want to do that stuff but it's part of the game part of, if I give my word, like, you know, to me to get the body, I want to get to Mount Vincent train. There's a lot of stuff I don't want to do. I don't want to go in freezing cold weather and hike. Coldest place. on I don't want to go right? the coldest place. Minus 70 below freezing right. and risk frostbite being on the cold weather to go hiking for two weeks in a tent. I don't want to do that. To be able to, to go to the bathroom outside. You know, I mean, I don't want to do that, but I'm doing it. For two things, self actualization of human growth and potential. And I'm doing it to build schools around the world for some of the most impoverished children on the planet to help them to alleviate them from poverty and just so we can build the next generation as a legacy, right? So I'm doing it to dedicate my life to a cause for myself. But I, I don't have, but, I, but but it's crazy. It's really crazy because most people would never do something like that. But I'm doing it because I want to make a bigger difference in the world and I want to grow and expand myself and constantly push myself. I'll give you, give you an example. I was on a call earlier today with one of my mentors. Good, great guy, and he's and I'm looking at um, looking at things I can adjust in terms of habits and routines. I'm doing an audit my life, and he goes, Darren. He goes, listen. The next time you brush your teeth, what I want you to do is when you're brushing your teeth, stand for the first few. If you're brushing the top of your teeth, stand on your left leg for balance. Then when you do your bottom teeth, step on your right leg. And he goes, it doesn't take any more time because you, when you brush your teeth, he says you got to stand up and brush your teeth anyways. So start building your balance while you're brushing your teeth. And he goes, then when you're in an elevator at a hotel or apartment building, when, the ele- when you push the button, if you're in the elevator by yourself, go down and do a squat, squat until the elevator is open up. If somebody joins you in the elevator, then stretch your leg out in the elevator for that 15, 20 seconds. It doesn't take any more time. So it's efficiency of time. I thought, wow. So what I've been doing today, I just started this today, I've done it a few times already, is when I'm brushing my teeth, I stand on one leg. Then I change, do it one leg. And I'm noticing, oh my gosh, I'm wobbly. But I guess what in a few months from now, I'm going to develop some pretty strong core balance.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's crazy the games that we play, but it's necessary because it is. I, I, I say, I'm, I'm literally doing the same thing, not with the teeth brushing, but when like when I'm changing my clothes, I'm consciously trying to balance on one leg, making sure you know how much can can I put all of this on? Can I do this while I have one leg on? And Then can I switch on the other side? It's like just yeah. just to increase and enhance my balance. Yep. right? Just literally intention, it, nothing that anybody asked me to do or whatever. It was just like, how can I, how can I optimize more? What can I do to in, increase what I'm doing? And, and like I said, it's all about how you move through what to, through time. That's what I see with, with yep. people who are most successful. They, they have mastered the art of the request and they've, there's a lot, there's a big portion of self-mastery and how you
2: move through time and everything else falls under that. Yeah. Well, gives down two things, requests and promises, so I always ask people, what, what do you give your word to this year? What are your goals and dreams? Like what are your top 10 personal promises? I'm putting in a personal promise. Well, you, you said New Year's goal, New Year's resolutions that you want to release 10 pounds in weight, right? Not re- not, not lose weight because when you lose something, you go find it again. When you release it, it's gone for good or gone forever. It's how you language things, right? You release weight, not lose weight. And people say, well, why do they always say these weight loss commercials? Because they want monthly recurring revenue, right? These, these diet programs don't want you to go in and get results and never come back because it's hard to get a new customer client. They want monthly recurring revenue. And so the key thing is, is I always say to people, when you're doing something, really focus on, am I doing this? Do complete work. Okay. Because a lot of times people start something, but they don't finish it. So commit to your commitments.
1: Yes. Most people never even start and then even fewer finish.
2: Correct. Yeah, Absolutely.
1: So what's what can uh, how can people get a hold of you or follow you or what's what's the best place to you keep You go to
2: hikingfundraiser.com. hikingfundraiser.com. We do we're doing these uh, E2E Elevate to Educate hiking fundraisers. Uh, if you want to be in a great community, a great vibe, a great tribe, um what we do is we people come out, they register for a hike, we do hikes that are coming towards, you know, family friendly people all walks of life and we do them all over. And if you just go to hikingfundraiser.com and then people get a chance, they'll spend time with me because I'm, I'm always there, but you get a chance to be part of an incredible ecosystem and environment. And I always say with people, when you come, two things to look for, return on life, return on energy, right? When you're around successful people, two things happen. A knowledge transfer, and energy transfer happens, right? That's- so if you want to level up and skill up, get around people who are doing better than you, whether it's with their kids, their family, their finances, their health, spirituality, career, business, whatever in their lives, get around people for the knowledge transfer and the energy transfer. So we created hikingfundraiser.com, which is way to Educate. Every time we do a hiking fundraiser, people come out, we collect the money from hiking registration and from corporate sponsorship, that money gets collected. And then we build a school for some of the most impoverished children around the world. Build them all over the world. And you'll also get a tax receipt. So the cool thing is, is you come out for a few hours, but that few hours of effort and energy coming out hiking, you now have a physical bricks and mortar building for many, many years. Which is a new school that we build around the world that you get a chance to be a part of. And it's a great conversational piece. And so I like to do things to create memories, create like experiences. So come out, go to hikingfundraiser.com, come join us with people, fly, drive, travel in from all over. And and you'll build a kid. If you're single, you'll meet people that can be Mr. Writer or or the right one, the man or woman. If you're raising money, great group. deal. If you want a job or career change, everything you need through a network of conversations is in our environment with elevate to educate. But come in. And be of service and be a go-giver, not a go-getter. Come in and say, how can I provide value and be a go-giver to the community? And you watch when you're not attached to the outcome, how the abundance of overflowing opportunities will come your way because you're a go-giver, not a go-getter.
1: And I can tell you from experience, that's the way Darren lives his life. Every time I witness him and experience him, whether it's in a mastermind event or just moving through life, he's constantly looking for ways to give, serve, and support. And I know everybody says, well, it's easy to do that once you've attained. But everybody that I know who's experienced any levels of success, they've done it by giving first. They've learned that lesson. The more people you help, the more, the more rewards you're going to get. That's just simple laws of nature. You can break a lot of laws. You can't break the laws of nature and that's just how. So Darren, I I love you, man. I really appreciate you being here. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's so many nuggets and wisdom. Um, any far, final thoughts for of encouragement as uh,
2: as as we're approaching 2024?
1: You know, key thing is making
2: requests. So the key thing is I mentioned your promises and requests is for every question you know I don't ask, the answer is always no. And through a network of conversations, start making requests. Sometimes it's a bold request, an unreasonable request, an outrageous request, a powerful request, but start making requests. And when you make requests to other people, right? It could be for an endorsement, it could be a recommendation, it could be a you know restaurant or you're you're traveling somewhere. Start making requests through a network of conversations because everything gets everything gets solved through a network of conversations, and because uh, that's where opportunities are. And when you make requests, people only do one of three things: they'll accept the request, they'll decline the request, or they'll counteroffer the request. So accept, decline, or counter-offer, But start making requests. You know, like when I go to hotels, I always make a request for a complimentary upgrade: okay, presidential suite, uh, honeymoon suite, executive floor. Now, do I get 100% time? No. When I go to restaurants, I make a request for a cup of dessert. And do I get 100%? No. I get 6 or seven out of 10 times just by making the request. So start making requests in 2024, and you'd be amazed by consistently making requests. The more requests you make, the more opportunities you'll create, and the more things that you'll start to happen in your life. It's amazing what happens when you start making requests.
1: Awesome. So you've heard it here guys there's so much wisdom in this conversation. Darren is somebody that uh, I respect immensely and can you learn tremendous amount from from not just from what he says but from who he's being great person to be able to follow. So connect, check it out. Let's let's all go do a, a hike together, you know. If I do uh, go check him out at at uh, hikingfundraisers.com and let's see if we can get together here as the Opportunity Makers tribe and go get on a, on a hike together. That'd be awesome. Yeah. So I'd love to see you on one. Make sure you like and share in this with anybody that you see is going to be of benefit and value and uh, and reach out to me and let me know what, what you thought, what your takeaways are and uh, what I can do for you and who else you want to hear, what problems you want solved on the Opportunity Makers podcast. Till then, we know that you could be anywhere on the planet and you chose to be here. So I thank you so much. Always humbled to to be part of your success team. So you guys go make it magical, go seize the mountain, make the opportunities happen.
0: Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of Opportunity Makers. If you've heard something that connected with you, please share this episode with a friend or colleague, and don't forget to go to Apple to leave a review. Head on over to gaintheedgenow.com to connect with Jim and his team, and remember, there's no such thing as limits or obstacles, only opportunities.